Welcome to the Real Talk Podcast, where we create conversation and community among real people about everyday issues. This is a place for you to hear truth, connect with others, and find answers to your questions. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Real Talk. We are excited to be here today uh, talking about real issues with everyday people. My name is Alan Reed, and our team is thrilled to be back from summer break, and we are excited about the content that we have for you all this fall. And so thank you guys for being with us. Before we get started, if you are watching us on YouTube, we want to encourage you to subscribe, and that way uh, you'll be seeing our content come up each and every week. And then you can also follow us on Instagram and also any major uh, platform for podcasts. So uh, we're excited that, uh, that you guys are a part of that today. Uh, we're going to be kicking off a series on grief and, uh, and during this time, uh, we have James and Kimberly Crumbie with us, and uh, we're going to be talking uh, about their story here in a moment, and also we're going to be sharing about uh, a study that they're going to be leading next month in September, and we'll get that, those details to you soon, but uh, be looking for that. It's called Grief Share, and uh, it's been a great ministry for them uh, to be a part of that's touched lives, and if you're going through a difficult time then that may, that may be something that you would enjoy going through as well with a group of people. And so, uh, James and Kimberly, thank you both for joining us uh, today and sharing your story. Uh, you guys are both uh, church members, and uh, those of you watching, you may recognize them. They are up uh, in the choir uh, often, uh, leading us into worship. And uh, you guys are both a part of uh, the education uh, you know, department, I guess, here in in Northwest Arkansas, uh, leading in schools, an art teacher, James, yes, right? Absolutely. What age group do you lead? Uh, first through fifth grade. First through fifth grade. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. And then Kimberly, you're a principal of a school, I believe, in Springdale. I think also about the same age, yes. kindergarten yeah, and I have up. Pre-K through fifth in my building. Awesome. Yep. Just got started yesterday. <laughs> oh yeah. So yeah. thank you guys both for uh, I know a busy week and jumping in here and sharing your story. Another part of your story is you both have uh, experienced loss. Your first child, uh, Hannah, uh, passed away in 2009, and uh, that's a big reason why you guys are here uh, sharing your story with us and your passion for grief share in helping other people that have gone through that. So um, I was thinking the best way for us to jump in is just to give you an opportunity to share with us about Hannah. Who was she? Uh, maybe a favorite, uh, a memory that you have of her, and uh, and then maybe we can get into a little bit what led up to her passing in two thousand and nine. So, yeah, go for it. <laughs> <laughs> well, so Hannah, um, she was four and a half, and when she passed away, she was. Um, just full of life. She was uh, very strong-willed, um, but on the flip side, she could be super fun too. So you just never really knew what you were going to get and never a dull moment. Um, but she um, she was just active. She loved Disney movies. She loved um, Little Mermaid and um, Mulan. And she um, loved to be outside and play. And so she was just, you know, just a normal little girl. And uh her little brother um, was almost two whenever she passed away. And so, of course, um, 
part of her time was aggravating him. But um, they had just gotten to the point where they could kind of play together. And um, so um, she did love her Bubba, even though she also was ornery to him. But mm-hmm. um, I don't know. Do you have a, a favorite memory? Uh, um, I think one, we I think we actually have it on video when she was in Caleb's room. Oh. And she had on this pink tutu and Mm -hmm. she was doing ballet and she was spinning around. And obviously at four years, three or four years old, you know, they don't have the best balance anyway. (laughs) So she was spinning and spinning and while she lost her balance and crashed into, I think it was the changing Mm -hmm. table or something. And Caleb just cracked up laughing. (laughs) And so we have that on video, which we show, we show um, Caleb and Caroline now Mm -hmm. pretty often. And they just, they just (laughs) still laugh. So it's one of our favorite memories. Her name was Hannah Grace, but she was not very graceful. No, so she, <laughs> she did not did not carry that. <laughs> yeah, when you guys were describing her a few weeks ago at our first conversation, I shared with you, she reminded me of the way I would describe my own daughter mm-hmm. and uh, how much uh, energy she brought into mm-hmm. the room when she came in. Yeah, mm-hmm. we always so. said she'll be like the the neatest woman if we can just survive it and just like mold her without breaking her spirit. We just knew she was going to be the neatest adult, you know, and so um, she definitely had that personality. So yeah, and her younger brother Caleb, mm-hmm. and, yes. uh, and and also a younger sister, mm-hmm. and her name is Caroline. Is Caroline, mm-hmm. I think Caleb is he about thirteen years old now? He is thirteen, and yep. Caroline's. Close seven. to seven, seven. Okay, mm-hmm. seven years old. Yep. And so, um, so yeah, two two siblings mm-hmm. that uh, that have gone through the journey in a different way, mm-hmm. but just knowing the stories of their big sister, right. exactly, yeah, and and how you guys celebrate that every year. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so tell me, uh, share with us a little bit more, just about the journey leading up to her passing. I know it was a surprise to you guys, mm-hmm. uh, but share a little bit about that. Well, she um, was just, I mean, perfectly healthy. I mean, been a very healthy child all, all the way. Um, and then in mid-September of 2009, she just ran some low-grade fevers for a couple of days, nothing major, but just couldn't shake it. So we decided um, for James to take her in. He was working from home at that time to the doctor just to check ears and throat and all that good stuff. And so, um, long story short, they ended up running some blood work and um, came out with the news that we would be going to Children's and that they had already contacted the emergency room and the oncologist on call and that her pediatrician was pretty confident that she either had leukemia or some other type of blood disease. Um, So, um, James, they called me from the doctor's office at school and so I you know, dropped everything and rushed to the doctor. And, and that's when I found out the news that we were heading to children's. So, um, that was in mid September. And so we got to children's and then things just did not go well. Um, she had the most treatable type of leukemia that, you know, has a very high remission rate and, and a cure rate, but, um, she had some other complications of which it took them a while to figure out really what was going on. But she um, had a stroke, um, and then she developed a couple of other things, hydrocephalus. She um, went septic one time. Several times she almost did not make it. And um, then so she lost the ability to move her right side. She lost her speech from the stroke. And then um, so we came home the first weekend before we knew what all was going on, and then we never returned home with her again. Um, 
And then in mid-November of that same year, she had one last stroke that um, impacted her brainstem. And there's just, you know, usually no recovery from, from that type of injury. And so um, on December the 6th, we made the, well, made the decision that on December the 6th, we would um, remove her from life support. Um, we didn't want our active four-and-a-half-year-old to live basically you know, in a bed, not responsive, not really conscious, and all the things that go with that. Um, and so um, she uh, passed away in the wee hours of the morning on December 8th. So again, that was 2009. And um, her little brother, Caleb, turned two during that whole ordeal. And so, um, and then we adopted Caroline um, in 2013. So that's a very long story put very, very briefly, um, but lots of ups and downs and, oh, we're okay. No, we're not. Um, just lots of crushing blows and um, just a situation unlike any other child at Children's, really, that they had ever seen that set of circumstances. And yeah. really, to this day, we don't know why, what caused those mm -hmm. complications, um, because Ironically, she was in remission from leukemia when she died when they when they did the autopsy and things. So, okay. yeah. yeah. When um, when we were talking through Zoom a few weeks ago, I, you guys were sharing about just some of the even internal battles of going through something like that and uh, the struggle with making a decision and what to do. And the doctor uh, shared something with you guys that I think. I don't know if it necessarily was encouraging, but it kind of, you know, there's a lot of um, maybe negative self-talk that we can do mm -hmm. in a moment like that. Sure. You know, even in, in, in minor situations where things are out of control, well, maybe I should have done this or that. Um, but yet he, he shared uh, with you guys something that gave you a little clarity mm -hmm. in, in that. Talk a little bit about some of the struggles during that time. Uh, you know, sometimes it can be our own our own self being hard on ourselves. Sometimes it can be spiritually where Satan just wants to get the best of us mm -hmm. when we're down. Um, but can you think back to some of those moments where you, you guys were dealing with some of this and maybe even reflect a little bit on the doctor and, mm -hmm. and how he helped you guys? Sure. You wanna... uh, yeah, no, I'll try to get through this. Um, so one of the, the big things for me was the fact that I was – the father, the protector, and there was nothing I could do. I sit there and watch her in the bed, not responsive. I mean, it was she didn't even know. To me, it seemed to me like I was not even there. So when she passed away, to me, it was almost like I didn't get to say goodbye. In that, so that was that was really hard on me, and the fact that. You know, you never wish this on anybody. Like, my worst enemy, I would not wish this on. But the fact that, you know, I, you w I would tell myself, why us? We went to church. We read the Bible. We tithe. We do all the things that we're supposed to do. You know, why us? You know, why why not? You know, like I said, you never wish this on somebody, but why not somebody else? Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. so those were two things to me that, that weighed, weighed on me almost from the very beginning, just from the, the break of the news that she had leukemia was just why, right. you know, and that's one of those things we'll never know until we get up to heaven and, you know, yeah. God will let us know then. Yeah. 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 And I would say, um, you know, 
for anyone who's had to make a decision about life support, anyone knows that it's just um, just a horrific decision to have to make on, on someone else's behalf. And, you know, like James said, when you're the parents, you just, I mean, you honestly feel like you are making the decision to end your child's life. Like that is your decision. Um, so a doctor there at Children's um, in the um, pediatric I- ICU just reminded us that really it's in God's hands. Like he's the one who determines whether she lives or not. And that if we, you know, removed her from the life support, then God could decide, you know what, she's going to breathe, she's going to do it um, or not. And so that really helped me through the guilt of that decision and just the um, terrible push and pull you feel of that Um that really it's it's not up to us. It's not under our control. Um, you know, we weren't ending her life. Um, of course, then you have to land on, well, God chose to do that, and that's a whole other piece of that. But, um, you know, I think for me it just reminded me that really ultimately she wasn't ours. She was God's, and she was loaned to us for a little time, and we wish it had been more. But um, we were not, in essence, killing our child, you know, cause that's what it feels like. Um, and I just remember us both just feeling as peaceful as you possibly can about a decision like that. Um, that it was time to let it let go and see, you know, what God was, was going to do. Um, because we waited several weeks and the doctors encouraged that, you know, we don't have to rush, like not a decision you want to rush into. Um, and they were very kind, um, to give us that time with her. And, um, so that just reminded me again, you know, it's, it's, it's up to him. Mm-hmm. So I'm um, not that you ever feel totally peaceful with a decision like that, but we both felt that that was what we needed to do. We both agreed, which I think a lot of times parents don't. You know, one wants to hang on and one thinks it's time. So we just felt God's mercies, I think, in, in those, those you know, parts of the situation. Yeah. I can think about um, a recent situation, just talking with a couple that's going through a struggle and kind of in the midst of it. And some of those same questions that you guys were dealing with at that moment. And, uh, and during our time together, you know, part of my, my sharing with them, it's, it's okay to have those feelings. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, you know, the, the wife was like, I'm struggling with, you know, having these feelings and these doubts and why God and and those kind of things. And, and I think it was just a good reminder for her that that's okay. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a normal response in a time like that. Right. Sure. And, um, and, and whether you're dealing with a loss of a child or whether it's a loss of, of something else, I know that grief share, you guys are inviting other people. It's not just parents who've lost a child, right? right? It's, uh, we can all experience a deep loss, sure. uh, through other ways, some deeper than others. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I can remember going through a difficult season in ministry that felt like a loss where mm-hmm. there was a grieving process, a vision that, that had died and, uh, and the painful process of that. And it, it literally took me years to be able to begin to look back with some clarity sure. and with some lessons mm-hmm. learned. And so I can only imagine that that would be similar, if not even more so, with what you guys went through. Mm-hmm. And so um, one of you said last time we spoke that, that the, you know, the time, 
I think it's been 11 years or so. Uh, it doesn't uh, remove the pain in any ways, but it, it uh, maybe it's a matured pain or mm-hmm. it's uh, it's not as sharp. I think you described mm-hmm. it as you less look raw. It's yeah, yeah less, less raw. raw. That's right. <laughs> That's the best, the best thing I've ever landed on is it's there. You don't forget, you know, people mm-hmm. are like, Oh, I don't want to bring her up. I don't want to remind you. You don't forget. Um, it just, your emotions are less on the surface. Yeah. Um, like the fact that I can sit here right now and, and poor James, he, <laughs> he's now he cries and I don't, we kind of reversed roles, but, mm-hmm. um, the fact that I can just sit here and talk about this, I couldn't have done that 10 yeah. years ago, yeah. nine years ago, you know? And so over time you're just, you just learn to live with your new normal and you just adjust and it doesn't mean that time heals necessarily, but it does just make things less raw and where you can, you can just deal with your daily life, you know? So as that time has um, had this distance, Mm -hmm. you know, in that time and uh, like I was able to reflect back on a difficult season and over time I was able to see things a little bit more clear right and there were lessons that um that i needed to learn through that and there were things that god wanted me to learn through but it just took time i was too mm-hmm. close to it at that time sure. uh, and not that i want you guys to tie this up in a pretty bow and say <laughs> oh you know our perspective is perfect now we have no mm-hmm. no questions for god whatsoever but help me and help maybe the others that are listening to understand you know uh that progression, you know, where were you then? Uh, what did that progression look like, and where are you today? And some of those, um, it, it, I guess, in the learning process, what have you learned through it, and what are you still learning, and maybe even what are a few questions you still have? That's that was a good. lot. Yeah, that's a, that's a good <laughs> I have to have you break that one down. <laughs> you want to talk about kind of the anger piece of it? Yeah. So I was, I was very angry. Um, mm-hmm. Just the whole situation. I was even angry at God. Um, just because you just never know. That question why keeps pounding in the back of my head. Probably probably was Satan a little bit, you know. Mm-hmm. He knew exactly where to where to push me. Mm-hmm. Um but you know, at for me I had to I had to somehow I at that point I didn't even want to go to church. Like I was I was done. Uh, I just I, I, for me, I'm a musical person, and so for me, when I go to church, I love to sing. I love I played in the orchestra, so that's what things that I love to do to worship, mm. uh, because I believe God gave me that gift, yeah. and so I don't even want to do that. Like went to church, hated hearing the songs because they talked about the promises of God, the what God can do for you, and I'm like, what did He do? To, what did He do for me? Yeah. He took my daughter from me that's what he did and so I was very angry on the inside and for me I'm a person who I hold everything in like Kim can attest to that like for me I'm pretty mild-mannered for the most part everything's on the inside until it's not yeah and so it was basically eating me from the inside out like my health I was going downhill our marriage was not good um and I had to find a way to release all that. And so I know it sounds kind of cliche, but I threw myself in the gym. I had to do something to release that stress, release that pressure that was inside of me before I could even attempt to to do anything um, else for myself. And so once I started doing that, 
then I kind of opened myself up to um, other opportunities or other options that there were, which is that's when the second time I think I went through grief share, Mm -hmm. I went through it twice. The first time was really close after the death and I just basically Kim wanted me to do it and I did it. It was one of those like I went, okay, check, um, I'm doing something else. But the second time I went, um, I really started internalizing and there was a a man that how, totally much, how much time was there between the first time and the second time? That was time? a couple of years, Okay, probably, between the first time I went and the second time. Yeah. Two or three years, I think. So it was probably, the second time was probably maybe four years after she had passed away. Mm-hmm. And what was the gentleman's name that was there that, that led our oh, men? Terry. Terry. Mm-hmm. And so he said at the beginning, he was like, you know, you're not going to get anything out of this if you don't share, which grief share it's part of it yeah and so i told him i said if you don't call on me to 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 say anything i will sit there and i won't say anything and i think literally every week he called on me probably 10 times (laughs) and so i think that for me getting that on the inside out um really was a game changer for me because it didn't sit on the inside i got to really internalize what was going on and express that in a way that not only helped me, but re- helped me realize that my relationship with God, he didn't go anywhere. Yeah. He was still there. Yeah. I may not have felt him, but the whole time he was, he was still there with me. That's one thing that, that I learned is that no matter what I, we go through in this, in this life, uh, no matter how bad things get, no matter how dark it is, uh, God is still there. Yeah. We may not feel him because we don't want to, yeah. but he, he'll never leave us. And that's one of the obviously big lessons that you learn yes. through that, um, for sure. You know, wh- when you're talking, it makes me think of uh, that verse um, that sometimes is even maybe misused a little bit, but Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope in the future. And sometimes we we can use that verse to be like, man, God is for me. If I do A plus B, then C is going to happen, right? And that's not what he's saying there. But actually where Israel had been conquered multiple times, you know, people uh, were were thrown throughout the empire, families were separated. And basically what God was telling them, you know, through through the prophet, it was just, um, was the fact of, you know what, your circumstances may not change, but I love you. Mm And there is a future. There is a hope. I have plans for you as a nation, as a people. And I think some of the harder lessons is the knowing that God doesn't always protect us from from hard times. Mm-hmm. Um, but yet, He does still love us. He's still there. And um, still a hard lesson to go through, I'm sure. Yep. And um, and so, thank you for sharing that, yeah, James. No um, other other lessons, other things. I mean, I'm sure that's kind of a, a big one for you guys to go through, but anything else that you guys can think of? Um, I would say um, I wasn't angry necessarily like James was. Mine was just more of a kind of bewilderment, like shock. What what just happened here, you know, because we, we did have so many, it was just a roller coaster in that hospital. And, and so it takes some time for you to even like just come out of the fog and the numbness and you're to even realize really what happened. Um, and so 
I think for me, one of the biggest lessons I've learned is just perspective, you know, not that I don't get stressed out because <laughs> I have a pretty stressful job and, and I get and I let things get to me sometimes when I shouldn't. But overall, um, I think I'm much calmer and just take things way more in stride than I used to because, you know, the worst thing that can happen happened to us, happened to me. And um, so now so many things that would have bothered me before, I'm like, you know, that's no biggie. Like in in the eternal scheme of things or in 20 years from now, it, it doesn't matter. And so that's something that looking back, I can see, um, you know, where God use that in my life to, you know, that scripture that, you know, he works things for good. You do not want to hear that when you're newly grieving. But again, with time and passage of time and clarity, you can see where he doesn't, doesn't mean the circumstances were good or what happened was good, but he does work things in your life um, for good if you let him. And so I think that's one of the lessons for me is just, you know, some things just aren't worth it. And then when I do have a really hard season or, a hard circumstance, I can think, you know, I survived the worst. I mean, bring it on, you know, there's nothing else that's going to be any worse than that. I don't think ever. Um, and so, um, it just puts things in perspective. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. And if you allow it, God can use it mm-hmm. for good. And, the, and there's right. somewhat of a choice in that. It there sounds is. like is what you're saying, right? I think so because I've, you know, I've worked some with, I've worked with a lot of grieving people through grief share and just, you know, a lot of times people will reach out and say, I know so-and-so really struggling. Would you go have coffee or whatever? And, you know, you, you do. Grief Share has this saying um, in one of the sessions that, you know, you, you can't move a parked car. You have to be willing to go through it and it hurts. And, you know, a lot of people try to go around grief like a wave. They try to go around it. You have to plunge headfirst into it. It's not fun. It's miserable, (laughs) but you have to do it and face it. And then, you know, you have to really, because I've seen people who have made that choice to be stuck. Mm -hmm. Um, Some people's biologically, their, you know, their brain chemistry, some people just naturally have a harder time than others with that moving forward and that healing. But really a lot of it does come down to you just have to decide. And that's what, I mean, I remember I said this just the other day to James and my mom, like I decided very quickly that I wasn't going to be a mom to my then two year old who stayed in bed all the time, who couldn't parent, who um, was going to be so frightened and scared of everything that could happen that I would keep him in a bubble and not let him do anything because that fear and that PTSD still rears its ugly head in fact with covid right now and my seven-year-old who can't be vaccinated and um she is um a different ethnicity and her immune system is not as strong as ours you know that's a a real fear for me that i have to just talk myself down you know god is not a god of fear and i can't control it anyway um but sometimes it is still a struggle to deal with what if something happens to my other kids Mm -hmm. but again i just have to step back and know that you know God's got it and and I can't I can't grip tightly to it as much as I want to but again that's a choice I was just determined that I was not going to be like that crazy mom or that person who just stayed in the dark in bed (laughs) not to say that I didn't go through some depression I did certainly um but again you know I used 
biblical counseling, medication, Mm -hmm. all those things that I think God gives us to help us through those seasons. I've, um, I've witnessed both of you, um, over my short season here, I've been here for three years and, um, seen you both care for people, um, that are going through difficult times and, uh, and being able to share some of the things that you guys have learned. And so, uh, knowing that there are going to be people listening to this podcast, mm-hmm. hearing your story, that are going to be in the middle of it, maybe even in the season that you were in, just where you were, you know, full of anger and angry at God. Maybe they're not able to. There's not enough distance yet to be able to look back and and allow God to work through it. What kind of advice would you give uh, to individuals or people that are grieving, um, whatever it might be, over uh, right now? that might be an encouragement to them or just some advice for them? I would say, if nothing else, just take care of yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, I think a lot of times you can go down a road where um, it's hard to get back from if you're not really, really careful. Um, There's all kinds of substances you could get in with that can grab a hold of your life and, you know, very hard to let go of. And so I think, I think the main thing is just, you know, if, if nothing, if you can't find anything spiritually that'll help or, or just physically, you need to be taking care of yourself. So that way, when you get down to the road, you can open up, you can find something that can help you mentally, spiritually, whether it is counseling, whether it is medication, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, God gave us science Mm -hmm. for this very reason. And so, um, I think for me, it was that step of, Okay, I'm not going to go down this rabbit hole of and end up, you know, somewhere else. I was going to get myself back healthy, somewhat healthy. And uh, so that way I could um, release a little bit of that pressure that I had that that could have, you know, sent me down a really, really wrong road. And so I think, you know, just taking care of yourself, you know, physically or mentally, just you got to do it to better yourself. Yeah, and grief grief is hard on people physically. I mean, you have a lot of physical symptoms you can with, you know, whether you're in it or the immediate aftermath. And a lot of people don't know that and recognize that. In fact, in Grief Share, one of the first pieces of advice um, is you need to go to the doctor if you've had a recent loss and just kind of get an overall Mm -hmm. physical, like mentally, you know, emotionally how I'm doing. But I think um, for someone who's in something like this, that's really hard um, is we've kind of touched on it, but it's, it's okay to not be that quote unquote perfect Christian, you know, that, um, oh, thank you, God, for bringing me to this storm. I mean, some people may be there, you know, quicker than others, but like whatever you're feeling, God knows anyway, and He, um, you can't hide it from Him. Yeah. So, like, there's a difference between lamenting and cursing God. You know, you mm-hmm. never want to cross over that line to cursing God. That's a very dangerous place to be. But I mean, lamenting is biblical. I mean, you see it in the, you know, David, Job. I mean, and so, you know, just to be honest with God about your feelings and your struggles and to know that it's normal, um, it's okay. Um, and that it doesn't make you less of a Christian or less of a person. And, and that again, as time goes on and you wrestle through a lot of those things, you'll come out, out, on the other side with that choice. Um, 
of like the scripture in Job that says, you know, my um, my ears had heard of you, but my eyes have seen you. Um, just, yeah, like I had, I feel like I had a, a very good, um, you know, intellectual knowledge of God. I was raised in church. I mean, I knew all about the doctrine and all that good stuff, but I feel like um, that experience brought me to a much deeper personal like that heart part of that relationship. And I knew God in a new way. Um, and I wish that it, I didn't have to go through what I did to get there. But now um, I can honestly say after all that wrestling with God and all of those whys and, and tears and um, not understanding um, that I definitely feel closer to him than I ever did before. Yeah. Well, and also don't look at somebody else's grief and go, mm-hmm. well, they're doing it this way. I guess I have to do it this way as well. Right. Like the one thing in grief share, they say like everybody's grief is different. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like some people may go into their room, shut the door and cry for three days. And mm-hmm. that's, that's fine for them. Right. Doesn't mean you have to do it as well. So I think it's finding what's healthy for you to grieve mm-hmm. or and healthy way times, to do it. Yeah. And a lot of times husbands and wives grieve very differently. Mm-hmm. And that's hard because I know I've told people like you can't even help yourself. I mean, you, you're just trying to like get up and put one foot in front of the other every day. And so when you've had like a child loss or, you know, another loss that is really hard on both of you, um, you really can't, you're not capable of helping each other much at the beginning. And a lot of times just because we're different, men and women are different, we grieve differently. And that, you know, we've all heard the statistic about the divorce rate for parents who have lost children, which I'm not exactly sure that's super accurate. But, um, you know, I can see how it can happen because, you know, he holds everything in. And and for me, I mean, my grief was more kind of like, I was just in a bad mood. I was just grouchy all the time, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, and just um, a lot of times, you know, one spouse will want to just go and visit the gravesite every single day and the other one never wants to step but there. And so you really have to have a lot of grace for each other and other people. But um, it can be a it can be a lonely thing because on one hand, your spouse is the only one who knows how it feels to lose that child and to be that child's parent. But then being a mom to her was different than being a dad to her. And so, you know, it's lonely in, in the sense that you, you just are just trying to keep your own head above water. You know, it's like you're, you've got your own mask on. You can't help anybody else. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it takes work and just you got to do the work, you know, if you want your marriage to survive, I think. So, yeah. you know, you um, you talking about this, some of the some of the most beautiful pieces in the Bible are people who are lamenting mm-hmm. and struggling and, and being transparent with God uh, about an issue they're going through. Uh, I shared with you guys early in, uh, in my marriage with Ashley, uh, as we went through difficult times, she had a very charmed childhood and she, she would describe it this way. I grew up thinking that if as a Christian, I do A and B, it's going to equal C. Mm-hmm. It's going to equal uh, a, a vibrant ministry, no problems. Everything's going to be easier because I'm obeying God. And as soon as we hit difficult times, it was hard on her. But one thing that I appreciated 
about her through that is that her transparency with God during that time. And again, she wasn't cursing God, like you said, that's going too far, right. but she was lamenting and she was just bearing her soul to God. And and I began terming those as rated R prayers. Like she was <laughs> she was sharing things with God that uh, in a way that I had never done. I think I had a few of those as well. Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. right. And uh, and and I'm hearing you guys saying that those are are not only normal things, but those are good things. God mm-hmm. can handle that, and He can He can meet us there in our grief. Mm-hmm. And as a matter of fact, when we're not transparent with Him, and we do uh, put on the plastic smile, and uh, and we we might even just pretend that everything's okay, you know. Um, I worry about the people who don't exhibit grief, mm-hmm. you know, uh, during that season. That's right. And, and so, um, so let's talk a little bit for a moment about the study that you guys are going to be offering uh, in September. Um, you know, tell us a little bit about it. How long is the study? Mm-hmm. Uh, what are some of the things that you'll be covering during that study? And what kind of things are you going to be inviting them to do? If they came, <laughs> what are they going to expect when they walk sure. into the room? Yeah. So it's about a 12 to 13 week study, kind of depending on how you structure it. Um, and so it's it's an actual curriculum. You can look um, on their website at griefshare.org. And um, so there's it's a video series. So they just interview um, a lot of people, people who have just normal people, you know, not celebrities who have had loss. Um, and then they also interview um, people like H. Norman Wright, um, Zig Ziglar, um, who also, you know, he lost a child. Um, but they interview some therapists and um, Paul David Tripp, just some different um, ministers and, and, and people. And, and so it's just, you know, pieces of advice, encouragement. Um, each session is a, around a particular topic. And so you come, you know, you, you visit, um, you watch that. And then depending on the size of the group, sometimes we break off into smaller groups. You know, maybe if there are several people who are widows or widowers, and then there are several people who have lost a child or people who have lost parents, we try to do small groups because you do have some things in common that maybe you wouldn't with another type of loss. And we just, um, you know, facilitate like I would facilitate just some some discussion questions um and I don't want you to be scared from what James says we never make anyone talk um <laughs> but James was very open with Terry and was like I want you to make me because I know I need that and I won't yeah. do it on my own but we never force people to talk um but um you do you know grief shared is grief diminished so being able to just say something especially in a group like that you're safe I mean no one there is like you know, your family, unless you come with members of your family, which people do sometimes. Um, but, you know, a lot of times you can express things that you don't want to express um, to close friends or family. So it's a safe place. I always say, do not ever apologize for crying in here because people in the world get tired of you crying and it makes people uncomfortable. Um, when you're in here, just let it let it go, <laughs> let it loose. Um, and so, um, a couple of examples of sessions. There's a one whole session called "Why," that deals with the why of grief. Because I mean, everybody struggles with that. I think um, there's sessions on lessons you can learn from grief. There are sessions on um, the tangled web of grief. Yes, uh-huh. on um, I think that one's under the. Um, basically how I can't remember what the session is actually called, but it's about how grief is normal 
you know, um, all these feelings that you feel crazy, it's normal. Physical ailments are normal. It's, it's normal. And I think that's one of the coolest things about grief share. It's a group. Nobody ever wants to be a part of. You hate that you need to be there. And I'll be honest, it's hard to go every week because it, it brings up a lot of things. You get emotional, you cry, it's exhausting. And it may even take you a day or two to kind of fully recover. But I mean, at the end of that cycle, I've never once had anyone say, man, I wish I hadn't done this. You know, I regret this. I mean, people just, you're not perfectly healed after, but you're on your way. Um, And so I think one of the biggest, coolest things about Grief Share is that you feel normal when you're there. Because you do not feel normal if you're in Walmart and you run across this certain kind of food that your loved one, you know, loved and you just dissolve into tears and people are looking at you you don't feel normal that you can't remember anything but you feel normal there because everybody's struggling in fact remember that time we went to chick-fil-a so it's probably maybe not even a year maybe the next summer after hannah died in december we went in chick-fil-a with caleb and there was that cow (laughs) that walks around sometimes the person in the cow and Hannah, one of the last times we had been in there, that cow was there. And it was like she was trying to, like, self-talk that the cow was not scary and it was okay. And she was like, it's a nice cow. It's not going to get me. It's a nice cow. It's not going to. She's kept saying that over and over. <laughs> so I'm in the middle of Chick-fil-A. I see the cow yeah. and just immediately. And I could not get it under control. Yeah. I had to leave and go to the car. And you just, you feel like you're just... A crazy person and people are looking at you you know why are you crying in the middle of chick play so again grief share you're 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 normal you're yeah. there with everybody else um and so you know there's an element of sharing it also has a workbook where you can um it acts as a note taker during the sessions and the videos and then there are um, like five days of a little bit of just um like kind of like quiet time work you can do i always tell mm-hmm. people if you can, great. If you're not there, you're not there. Um, you can use it on down the road. Um, and it's got things on their website, good resources. You can sign up for mm-hmm. a daily email that'll just send you a little bitty short snippet every day um, mm-hmm. about grief. So yes. it's just, I went through it twice as a participant myself because the first time I went was the February after Hannah had passed away in December. So I was still, I was there, but I wasn't really there. You right. know, yeah. I think I took in maybe like 10% of it. And so I went back again um, a little bit later and I got a lot more out of it the second time. And so I really attribute that program to a lot mm. of our healing and just mm. um, being able to, to deal with that. And so um, after a bit of time, I just really felt led to help with that um, on the other side of it. So I started helping at another church close where I took the program. Um, and then um, when we landed here, um, I guess it's been, gosh, 10 years ago. Um, after some time, I thought, you know, a church of this size, we, we must have grieving people. <laughs> yeah. And so I decided um, to yeah. facilitate it here. And James helps me off and on. Um, sometimes he's doing choir or other things. But mm-hmm. um, if there are men in the group, he yeah. always will help. Awesome. Because when we break into small groups, a lot of times the men will talk more if it's just men. That's how yeah. he was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um and so it's just, I really, I can't say enough good things about mm-hmm. it. It is biblically, biblic, 
Biblically based. Biblically based. (laughs) Um, And so, um, you know, it comes at everything from God's word and and uses truth and scripture. If uh, someone uh, is listening to this Mm -hmm. and it's like, you know, man, it's been since I was a kid, since I've been to church and, uh, you know, I uh, haven't been in a while. I definitely haven't been in a Bible study. Uh, Do you think that someone who... um, yeah, maybe hasn't been mm-hmm. in a while that they could come and enjoy uh, or or get something out of it and, um, you know, be able to take advantage of the material. Do you feel, have you seen that in any of the studies or? Yeah, I mean, we've had people that are not Baptist, you yeah. know, that are of different denominations. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we've had people that, you know, went to church as a kid, maybe. Yeah. And yeah. so, um, so it doesn't, you don't have to be a church. No, goer to go no, no, be a no. Part of this. And so, you know, the, it's the, the, um, the curriculum is biblically based in yeah. the sense of it, you know, references scripture yeah. and it references, um, things that we as Christians believe like the, yeah. there's one whole session on heaven. Yeah. So if you're a person walking into this and you firmly do not believe in God and do not believe in heaven, it's going to be a little bit of a challenge, yeah. but, um, uh, so much of it though, is just about the common experience of grief right. that no matter what you believe or no matter what foundation you have, um, it you can you can understand that it's going to yeah. speak to you. So and, even and if, that topic of heaven, yes. I know we had um, good friends of ours who came to church for the first time in decades <laughs> because they experienced loss, mm-hmm. and their kids were asking questions about yes. heaven, and they didn't know how to answer yes. that, and so they came to church. Uh, knowing that they could get some answers about mm-hmm. that. And we just happened to be doing a series mm-hmm. that was going to help describe yeah. what heaven would be like. And it's one of my so, favorite sessions. I think it is so encouraging. Um, just mm, every time we do that one, I just leave and I'm like, oh, yeah. thank goodness for hope and something after this life. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that Hannah's there. And yeah. one day you guys will be reunited with yes. Hannah. Yep. And yes. what is, you know, what a day that's going to yeah, be, right? For sure. And, and you know, uh, what's so interesting is when she first died, I just was like, oh. And, and I think that's one thing that, that loss gives you also is a, a new, stronger longing for heaven. Yeah. You know, when I was like, she was born when I was 25. She died when I was 30. Um, and so you have that, well, yeah, I can't wait to go to heaven, but you know, I want to get married first. I want to have kids. I want to do this. I want to do that. I mean, after you go through that, you're just like, just come Lord Jesus, just please come back and take us, you know, Um, because you just realize this, this world is, is not as sweet as heaven. Heaven looks sweeter every day, you know? Um, and then for a long time, to be honest, it was, I can't wait to go to heaven to see Hannah. I want to see Hannah. I want to see my papa. Yeah. I want to see my mamma, but I want to see Hannah. And then over time, and that shifted to, you know what? I, I want to see Jesus. Yeah. Jesus mm-hmm. is the light of heaven, and it will be yeah. fantastic to see her there with him. Yeah. But he is the reason I want to go to heaven. Amen. You know? Amen. That can preach right there. <laughs> That's good. That's good. So. Um, That's why I let her talk. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You you bo- gotta make sure you, you edit where he <laughs> talks more. Yeah, you guys are doing good. This is good. Uh, I've got two more questions, and uh, so we're going to be kind of ramping down mm-hmm. here. Um, you know, this is a question that I naturally had. I'm listening to y'all's story, and uh, you know, I'm, as a pastor, I sometimes meet people at their lowest moment, mm-hmm. and those questions are there, and all of us, you know have uh, times where we have friends going through deep things. And so, 
you know, give us just maybe a piece of advice. We have someone we care about, a good friend, a colleague, uh, or maybe as a pastor, I'm going to go meet with a church member, and they're they're in that dark valley, Mm -hmm. as, you know, Psalm 23 talks about that that valley right there. What kind of advice would you give uh, to someone going through that? Or that you not only going through that, but you're going there to, mm-hmm. to be an encouragement to them. So you've been on this recently, so you should have lots of for this. Oh, well, we were, we went and visited oh, yeah. the Terrys. Yeah. <laughs> we were both there. Um, I would say, first of all, just to be there and just to be present, you don't have to have the right things to say. There is no right thing to say. Yeah. There's nothing that's going to make that person feel better at that moment. Um, so just being there, um, mm-hmm. letting them you know, cry and not, oh, it's okay, don't cry, don't cry. Just letting, just being able to sit with someone in that grief and be okay with that and comfortable with that because yeah. a lot of people cannot handle it. It makes them so uncomfortable. That's our, you know, Western society, like grieve, have the funeral in three days, go back to work. Mm-hmm. Um, so just keep showing up over time when everybody else kind of goes back to normal life, you know, be that person that just keeps checking on them, keeps texting them verses, keeps showing up with the meal or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, just be that faithful person because a lot of people are not you know they they're there for a brief season and and that's understandably so people have to return to life but um and then i would say just don't we can grief share um when i went they called it a crummy comforter like don't fall into that temptation to say every cliche you've ever heard everything happens for a reason you know um god will bring good things you know romans 8 28 um God needed another flower for his garden, you know, just things that, first of all, are not even biblical. God doesn't need anything from us, and Hannah is not a flower in his garden. But Mm. just don't feel the pressure to send, I'm so sorry, I'm praying for you, I think goes a long way. And then on the practical end, I would say, like, if you're the person that you're ministering to or is going through a, a deep trial or valley, if there are practical needs that you can take care of, do it. Mm-hmm. And instead of the, tell me what you need, just tell me how I can help, just do it. Like, yeah. hey, I'm going to pay to have your yard mowed for the next six weeks. Yeah. You know, I'm going to, let me pick up your kids and mm-hmm. take them to the park That's so you good. can just have a little, like, huh. Yeah. Um, you know, um, let, I know when we were at Children's, People were like, we're going to pay, I think a church in this area paid our water bill for like a year. Wow. And we didn't even know you know, that it was happening. So mm-hmm. just find ways to really be the hands and feet of Jesus and don't wait because that person's probably never going to tell you anything mm-hmm. they need. Um, and then if you are a person who is grieving or who is in a valley, let people help. Mm-hmm. had a great friend when this all happened who had lost her husband at 29 yeah. a year before, and she was like, Kimberly, you are robbing people of a blessing mm-hmm. if you do not let them help you. Like, let them bring the food. Let them pay the bill, even though you feel like you can pay it. You know, let them come over and do the laundry or whatever. Um, and so that's something that really stuck with me, too, was, was let people have that blessing of helping. So That's good. And, well, and sometimes even just a text, a quick text. Mm-hmm. Like, I know 
some people might be like, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to disturb. I don't want to go around them. You know, I don't want to bring it up. Just a quick text, say, hey, I'm praying for peace today, or mm-hmm. pay, praying for strength today. Yeah, that's all re- people really need yeah. is just know you're thought of. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's good. That's good. Um, your first suggestion, just being present. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first time I experienced death of a close person uh, was my best friend or a guy that I looked up to. He didn't pass away, but his mom did suddenly. Uh, she was pregnant and uh, and had a tubule pregnancy mm-hmm. and she died suddenly. And I can remember that morning here in the news and just weeping in the shower, getting ready and our family going over to their house. And what I remember, I was probably, I was probably 12 years old. Mm-hmm. I'd never experienced anything like this before. First time to experience death so closely with someone that I knew uh, very well is I just remember our church family just being there, Mm -hmm. being present, people in the living room Mm -hmm. uh, all day. And I, and I was the, his closer friend. I looked up to him. He was a year or two older than I was, but just being there with him, I didn't know what to say. I even asked my mom, what do I say? And she just said, you don't need to say anything. Mm -hmm. Just be there for him. And I just think that's advice that I, that I've taken with me, you know, sure. but I don't have the words. That's okay. Right. Just and be that's there. hard because, you know, again, as Americans, we're fixers and doers yep. and pastors and, too. Like yes. we want to have the words. <laughs> yes. We want to be able to share. Right. That, and I want to make this better for this yeah, person. And yeah. we're also, you know, that, um, just pull yourself up by your bootstraps and get yeah. back on the horse. And so a lot of our society is not equipped yeah. to really, so just that ability to be there even when it's uncomfortable and just, and then of course take your cues. Like, you know, if that person's like, I, I can't handle anyone in my house anymore, you know, yeah. no, no when to, right. to leave. And, yeah. um, but, um, it just, yeah. And cause a lot of people are uncomfortable with that. Mm. And so yeah. being able to do that for someone is huge. I think that's good. That's good. Um, last question, uh, opportunity for you guys just to be able to kind of close out our time. Um, maybe there's a, a scripture passage that's been an encouragement to you. Maybe it's a song on the radio. Maybe it's a song that you we sing periodically at church. Or, or maybe that was a song that was played back then during that time as you were healing. Uh, what's something that, um, that encouraged you during those years, whether it was scripture or a song? Or... Do you have one? Well, my problem is limiting it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so one thing... That okay, there are two songs. One is Revelation song, so that yep. was hugely popular, you know, new mm-hmm. whenever. And we were at the hospital, and I just have a distinct memory because you all that is kind of a blur after a time, you know, you kind of lo- lose bits and pieces because there was just so much. But I have a distinct memory of being in her room, and that was after she had had the final stroke. We knew we were just kind of waiting to see if there was going to be any healing. Um, and it was becoming apparent that there was not going to be um, unless God intervened. And so I remember sitting there and holding Hannah, because it was like a big production to get her out of the bed with the tubes and all. But I had her part up here. My mom was down beside me and had kind of her lower half in her lap. And I remember we tried to play you know, praise and worship music a lot just to try to, you know, keep our spirits up and encourage us. And I remember just listening to that song and just, you know, weeping and just thinking, 
well, looks like she's going to beat me there. You know, she's going to be there. Um, and that song still to this day, when I hear it, um, we sang it in church several weeks ago, and I was up in choir, and I thought, oh, great, here we go. I'm, I'm not going to be able to control these tears. And, you know, 10 years later, I, I didn't, and it's okay. Um, another song that really always gets me, um, and there's a ton of them, but in Christ alone, mm-hmm. you know, the verse that talks about from life's first cry till final breath, mm-hmm. in my mind, every single time I picture the minute she was born and when she yelled out that cry, which told us right away she was, you know, going to have a, a, a strong spirit. Um, <laughs> I think of seeing her dark hair and being shocked that she had so much hair. And then I think of literally being there with her wrapped in my arms when she took her last breath. Yeah. And I, you know, I hope that not very many parents get to ever experience that, that end of it. Yeah. But I just think, um, Jesus does command our destiny. Mm-hmm. Like he yeah. he knew, and that's hard to understand. He knew before she was born she was only going to be here for four and a half years. And the why and the, you know, and I just some things I just have to chalk up to, I'll never understand it in this body. Yeah. But um, when I hear that song, which is the gospel in a song, yeah. it's so encouraging to me. And then there were a lot of scriptures. Um, in fact, one of the nicest, most thoughtful things anyone ever did for me was by, it was a teacher that was at school with me um, when I was teaching at this time. She bought one of those little index card flip things, you know, on a coil ring that you just, you know, flip around, kind of like a little mini notebook. And she just filled every page of that with a scripture mm. or an encouraging word. And so I'm going to read it so I don't misquote it. <laughs> One she had on there was um, Isaiah 43, 2. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. And so there were a lot of times where, um, you know, it felt like the water was sweeping over us for sure. Mm -hmm. It felt like the pain was so intense that literally you were going to burn. But this scripture just reminded me that, you know, God was never going to let me be totally overtaken Mm. ever. Um, And there were a lot of times where I couldn't hold on to him. He held on to me. I know. Um, But that was the scripture that really, really Mm. ministered to me and still does. And what's the verse right there? It was Uh, Isaiah um, 43, 2. 43, 2. Mm -hmm. Um, So one thing that, you know, we have Valiant Warrior at our church, and so a few years back when um, when I went, they said something that really, really stuck. And uh, they said, "He who has a why to live can withstand and bear the how." Mm-hmm. And so that really stuck with me, and I've, I've had it written in my phone uh, to look at every once in a while. Um, but one verse that I really um, that I've looked at, you know, recently, and, and even kind of as we were going through this, is Joshua one nine. It says, have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And so that's helped me know that no matter what I've gone through, wherever I go, no matter how I feel, mm-hmm. the Lord is still, is always there, always mm-hmm. with me. And I grew up singing um, Southern gospel music. So that's, I love quartet style songs. <laughs> and there's, there's a song that we we actually sang um, together at a church we were at before this, and the song is called um, 
a picture of grace. Mm. And so I wrote down the just the lines, the words of the chorus, and it says, How skillful the hands of the artist who painted this picture of me. He saw with the eyes of a master how beautiful my life could be. Where once was a picture of gloom and despair, this masterpiece hangs in its place. It's signed with his blood, and it's framed with his glory, this beautiful picture of grace. Mm-hmm. And so some of the verses talk about how before you know, this picture was filled with sin and filled with um, sadness. It, just, it was just ugly. But when Jesus takes over our life and commends and, and saves us and fills us, then that ugly thing yeah. becomes a masterpiece, his mm-hmm. masterpiece. And so I've always, always, always loved that song. Mm. And so one song we've sung recently that I've started to really enjoy, and our daughter Caroline loves it, is um, Battle Belongs. Mm. And so we just yeah. love that song. You know, any battle that we're going through belongs to the Lord before we even get to it. He's yeah. already been there. So mm. that's one song that I really enjoy too. Wow. Well, thank you both for sharing that. What a great way to end our conversation on grief, and um, and thank you for taking us on that journey. I know it's emotional. You guys are tired. Second day of school, <laughs> teachers, principal, and so thank you guys for doing that. Uh, thank you all for being a part of this and, and listening. Um, there are some of you that are that are in that season, and maybe as James explained it, maybe you're in that season where you're so close to it, you, you really can't see clearly, and maybe it's uh, anger or or just overwhelmed, grief, depression, and uh, and we we just want you to know as a church that you aren't alone. Um, you know, uh, the church is full of broken people and uh, and imperfect people, and then we do have uh, people that we love dearly that have gone through difficult seasons. I can say that I've grieved before, but not on the same level that you guys have. I can identify, uh, but only at a certain level. And sure. so if you're going through a season right now, um, and it, it may feel like it's too soon, but next month um, these two are going to be leading uh, a wonderful study. And uh, it may be that this first time around you may only get 10% of it, right? <laughs> Just um, than but zero. <laughs> we, would, we would love for you to be there and, um, and uh, to be able to, to per- participate and, and hopefully to receive something good. And if, uh, if you do, uh, you can go to our website. Our church website is fbcrogers.org. And to get to our midweek uh, classes, uh, forward slash midweek. And that will take you to a list of classes. There's about five or six of them, one of them being Grief Share. And we would love for you to sign up. I believe it starts on September 15th mm-hmm. on a Wednesday night, 630. Mm-hmm. Probably be over by 8, eight o'clock. Mm-hmm. And there is child care. We also have a great program that's more than child care for children up to, uh, I believe, fifth grade. And we, um, but we also have things for preschoolers where they're invested in as well. So we would love for you uh, to be a part of that. So uh, thank you all for joining us. Next week we will uh, be talking uh, with, uh, with someone else and having another story of someone struggling through loss and, uh, and wrestling through grief. Uh, and also getting insight from that. So we hope you'll join us again. If you're watching us on YouTube, uh, make sure and uh, like, follow us, uh, subscribe, and uh, invite others. Uh, If this ministered to you, you might want to share it with somebody else as well. But thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next week.